Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You are listening to The Coming Out Tapes, an audio archive of LGBTQ stories. I am your curator, Karis Bradley. Okay, so we're here in the middle of this heat wave with, uh, with Karen Fish, who's very kindly agreed to sit down with me for an episode of The Coming Out Tapes. So could you introduce yourself uh, to the listeners? Hello, hello, Karis. My name is Karen Fish. Um, and who are you? Who am I? I'm... Um who am I? <laughs> you mean who am? Who do I perform as? Oh uh, no! Like oh. who? Who are you? What do you? What do you do? I'm a performer. <laughs> and what, who do you perform as? Oh yes, there we go. We got there in the end. <laughs> Hi, I'm King Frankie Sinatra. I'm a drag king. I um, host and compare and produce a night at Vauxhall Tavern called Kings of Clubs. Of course, the next Kings of Clubs at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern in Vauxhall is September the nineteenth, and I've just written a one king one king show called Rebel Dyke. Amazing. Where are you taking the One King show? Um, I've just, I did a pilot. I've um, put it on at Elfest last week in Clandidno and it was very, very well received. So I should be touring it in the autumn. Amazing. Um, And how do you identify? I'm a lesbian. (laughs) Um, And why do you choose the word um, lesbian? Because it's underused and we're we're in done, we're, we're never overrepresented but there is a there's always a, an issue where the word lesbian is kind of left out and we just all go under the great umbrella of gay or queer and I'm adamant that I still want to maintain as a feminist the word lesbian um how long have you I, uh, when did you first realize that you were a lesbian well of course I couldn't realize I was a lesbian because I couldn't say the word lesbian because that was just too taboo I managed to say the word queer an interesting choice back in the days, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I I think I've known I was um, a lesbian since I was. I knew I was different when I was about eight. So, but I've always identified as a lesbian. 
So you found the word queer less taboo than the word lesbian? Yeah, because it's less sexually charged, isn't it? Because queer could mean lots of other things as well. But lesbian is clearly you want to sleep with another woman. Can't be anything else. <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's really interesting. Um, so uh, when did you sort of start using the word lesbian? Was that like a conscious? It was a conscious <laughs> choice, most definitely. It was when I was brave enough, really. I can't remember exactly when. It could have been 18, it could have been 20, I don't know. Late teens. Okay. Um, and why did you make that switch? Do you have the, did you have the same decision to do that? I met other as lesbians, as of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I was definitely a lesbian. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so you uh, perform as King Frankie Sinatra. I do. Um, so where did your drag act develop from? It developed from a late night conversation with uh, Miss Kimberly, who's a very old friend of mine. Um, and uh, we did drag together back in the 90s. And at that point, I was Georgie Michael, which was a lot of facial hair. I'm telling you, that was a, that was a big character to take on. And we were just having a late night chat three years ago or so. And I said, oh, I quite fancy doing some drag again because I'd stopped performing. I'd just gone. I was running clubs, but I just hosting I wasn't doing it in any kind of um, persona or singing and she said oh what would you do and I went oh do you know what I quite fancy Frank Sinatra and she was quiet for at least a minute which is unheard of <laughs> and said you know what that's a really good idea no one's doing anything like that and then she had a gig coming up two weeks later her boobathon to raise money for her new bosoms Excellent. And um, she said, you're booked, and that's it. Once you've got a deadline, you're going to make a show. So, yeah. And why did you get into drag in the first place? Um, well, I'm quite manly, and it's a lovely genre, and I like exploring, playing with that whole masculinity thing. You know, it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a kick. It's a bit of a kickback from all those years of being, mm, all right, sir, you know, are you a boy or a girl? I'm like, yeah, yeah, what, you know, so... I like I like I like playing with gender, and that I come across much better as a man. If I dress as a woman, I just look like a bad drag queen. So it's always better to dress as a man. Um. So you because you picked with Frankie Sinatra when so when we saw you perform at the Kings of Clubs. Um. I remember my girlfriend being really. Uh, she really, really loved it. And one of the reasons she really loved the act is because you're so gentlemanly, which isn't really something... Like, I've never really seen a w someone who identifies as a woman taking on that aspect of masculinity before. So that was really wonderful. So how did you develop that part of the character? That's just what I'm naturally like. Ah, I see. I'm just suave and sophisticated <laughs> through and through. So it's just an extension of yourself. It really is, yes. Do you see the drag as like um, experimenting with your sexuality as well as your gender or are those two things, do you think they're different? Well, as soon as I dress as a man, I, uh, I don't see it as experimenting as m with my sexuality because, you know, what would I fancy if I was Frank Sinatra? I'd fancy beautiful women, which is true. That's, that's, that's very in, ca in character. So how long have you been performing as... Frankie's three years old. Three years. Yeah. And is, are you going to stay with Frankie? Well, the show Rebel Dyke is um, it's, um, a jukebox musical and it's How Did We Get From Prejudice To Pride. So I don't start as Frankie, but I end as Frankie. So I've got other characters as well. I do Sid and I do a bit of Freddie, but Frankie's always my brand. So I go back to that, yeah. And it's always singers 
it's always singers I sing. You chose quite uh, quite challenging singers. Uh, Frank Sinatra isn't that challenging. He's all about the phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> but Freddie Mercury is incredibly challenging. My goodness me, that man could sing. I struggled to sing his range. I mean, it's really remarkable. It's interesting to find that out, though, because you just listen and think, oh, this is a good song. But then when you pick it apart, you're like, wow, that's an amazing vocalist. Um, do you remember the first uh, drag show that you saw? The first drag king that you saw? I think the first drag king I saw was Adam. Adam Moore. Ah. Well, this time around. I mean, previously, obviously, there have been... You know, back in the 90s, there were other drag kings as well. But this time around, I think the first time was Adam. Um, do you do you remember the first time that you decided that you wanted to try drag? It was with the with the Georgie Michael thing. So that was, what, mid-90s. So yeah. were you already, like, singing his music and then... No, no. I, I am a singer. I'd already been a singer. I had a band. I did all those things. And I... I you know, I can't remember. I think, again, it was Miss Kimberly. I think it's just like, I'm a drag queen. Do you want to be a drag king? I'm like, yeah, go on, I'll give it a go. <laughs> I can stick hair on. <laughs> uh, you tried the drag king, obviously. Good at it. Good at the facial hair, also the singing. <laughs> um, was it, is it just as a performance or do you see it as something else as well? For me, it's just a performance. I'm not. I'm not on the spectrum where I think I might have any kind of leanings to be growing my own beard. I'm just happy to stick one on. <laughs> so you come off stage and put your costume back in a box, and then yeah. And what if my girlfriend's feeling lucky? I might kiss her with my tash on. You know. Ah, I see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so uh, Rebel Dyke. Um, this is a show from. Prejudice to Pride. Uh, so what what does that mean? Well, it means it's actually what it says. It's uh, it's my, from my perspective, and it starts in 1978 at London's third ever gay Pride march, which ended on Shepherd's Bush Green. Get your head around that. And it's in eight chapters, five years in each chapter. It's a jukebox musical, and uh, so it takes the music from each of those five years and then tells a story about what I was doing at that time. And it ties it in with what was happening. It's not just about me, obviously. It does tie it in with Greater England events. But uh, it is. Um, it is. How did we get from prejudice to pride? How did I get from looking at 200 men on Shepherd's Bush Green to watching 30,000 people on floats going past me at Oxford Circus this year? You know, that's, that's, that's quite remarkable. A million people came to London to celebrate gay pride with the third biggest tourist attraction in London. You know, and that's in my lifetime. That's, that's remarkable. That's really remarkable. And um, is it, it's just you on stage? So you do all the singing? I do, I do everything. It's just me on stage. It sounds quite exhausting. No, it's really fun. I've, I've only done it once. I'm sure if I had a 10-night run, I'd be dead by the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long did it take to write? Uh, well, I started it last year. I wrote the middle section last year for another event. And then I thought, oh, actually, that I think would make a, a longer show. But I hadn't, I hadn't got the concept then. So I think from beginning to end this time, it's taken about three months. But I've got a lot of archive stuff, you know. I've if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips and adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I've been incredibly lucky. I've never had to move. And so I've got magazines, I've got photographs, I've got a lot of things that, you know, remind me of what was going on then. So that's really helpful. How many characters do you play? Uh, well, there's eight chapters. So eight characters. Eight characters. Do you do costume changes? I do costume changes. That's how people know. Amazing. How fast are your costume changes? Split seconds. I mean, it's not a full costume change, you understand. You know, I'm not stripping down some underwear. Sometimes it's just a different hat or a different T-shirt, but enough to move the story on. Um, And where where does the name come from? Rebel Dyke. I didn't think of that. It comes from the film Rebel Dykes, of whom I am one of the interviewees. And um, I think Siobhan, Siobhan Fahey, not the one out of Bananarama, the other one, I think she coined the phrase. But we're in, co- we're in collaboration, obviously. She knows I'm doing it and she's completely supportive. The two things are going to work well together, are working well together. It's funny, it's like just as I started doing this, we've got um, um, an, an interview in a magazine called Gusha. Okay. Does that mean something to you? Nope. Then I may have the name wrong. Okay. I could double check. But anyway, it's an interview in a magazine about Rebel Diet. And it's like we haven't done anything for two years. And then suddenly, you know, that zeitgeist comes around again. And people are like, oh, did you ever finish that film? So it's good timing, really. Um, is that how you see yourself as a Rebel Dyke? Oh, completely. 100%. What do you think about the use of the word Dyke? I love it. Yeah. I think we should absolutely reclaim it. 
It's a lovely word. It does sound good, doesn't it? It does, <laughs> especially when put with the word rebel. Yay. Yeah. So how long have you been uh, like referring to yourself as a, a dyke? Well, probably as long as I could refer to myself as a lesbian. I think well, as soon as I heard the word dyke, I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. Because lesbians can be, you know, sometimes the connotation is, you know, academic or something that I'm not. So I prefer the word dyke, actually. I think it's a bit more gutsy and working class. Do you remember when you first heard, like, where you learnt that word from? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because, so, in terms of when you were, like, choosing the language that you wanted to describe your sexuality, um, this was happening in a time when there wasn't as easy access to information, didn't have the internet. Um, God no, we barely had the phone. We only had three channels on the telly. So how how did you learn about like the different words? Like, did you have an opportunity to? Well, yeah, I mean, you met other women, and then you got together and you chatted, and they had books, or you know, there was there were some magazines. We had spare rib. We had on our backs. Yeah, there was stuff out there. There was. It wasn't just you know the dark ages. <laughs> Well, so when I interviewed Stuart, he talked about finding magazines um, in parks. Well, that's that was Stuart, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, where, what was he doing looking for magazines in parks? Filth. I did not find magazines in parks. Okay. Definitely not. Just trying to learn about a different, <laughs> different time. Um, so do you remember when you first came out and who you came out to? No. It's a long time ago. I remember it never went well. Nobody was ever like, oh, how magnificent. People were quite disgusted. It was shameful. It was abhorrent. I mean, I had to leave home, my family home, because of my sexuality. Um, So, and at work as well, you know, that, that (laughs) that didn't go well. It never went well. Let's just say that. I think when I was the only time I really started to feel comfortable being a lesbian was when I went to Greenham, Greenham Common, because there were lots and lots and lots and hundreds of lesbians. And that was a life-changing experience, but that wasn't until I was in my mid-twenties. So you had a period where you were still a teenager or in your early twenties and you hadn't really found anyone... No, there were, you know, it was it was incredibly isolating. I mean, you can't imagine. You just can't. And I'm so happy that you don't even have to imagine, you know. But it was incredibly isolating. It just it just wasn't something that that was even in your surroundings or your consciousness. Or you know, you'd look at somebody and think, oh, they might be. But there was never any. You know, if you had maybe if you had a black triangle earring or you know an Amazon round an axe round your neck, oh, they. But, you know, it was very much hidden. There were always those subtle, subtle clues that you had to try and unpick from somebody's everyday persona. So it was very different. There weren't, there weren't really places to go that you could feel relaxed and comfortable and socialise with other, even other gay people. You know, I didn't, I didn't have access to any of that. Um, so where in your life are you out now? Everywhere! <laughs> <laughs> I made this possible. I am going to milk it. Um, do you think that that is uh, like a response to... Cause you, so you run King of Clubs. 
which is a really wonderful safe space for lots of people to experiment Thank and you do very much. the drag nice king. Um, like it's, oh, it was just so welcoming. Um, and so you have created all of these spaces and you spend so much time with other people from the community. Do you think that that is connected to the experience that you had coming out? Not directly, no. I think it's just a, a happy byproduct, really. I mean, I've worked in gay environments since... I was in my mid thirties, so I've never ever had a problem. But I, ju you know, I haven't got the time or the energy to deal with people that can't accept me for who I am, and that's that's it now, really. Um. So when you say that you're out everywhere, is that uh like con like telling people that you're? Well, I don't go out to go. Hello, I'm and I'm a lesbian. No, but obviously I present as a lesbian. You know, you take one look at me, you're not going to think, oh, pretty girl with kids. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I don't ever hide who I am. Uh, so do you have any coming out stories? Um. Well, the ones that happened when I was much younger were always very negative, so I think I've just blanked them out, really. Although, I have to admit, when I was just away over the winter with my girlfriend, we were somewhere where we weren't quite sure if they knew we were lesbians, so we just kissed a lot, and then that kind of, you know, put their mind to rest. <laughs> but I just think it's... it's I just... I haven't got the energy to not be who I am anymore, really. I'm just, I didn't, this is my life's work. I'm not going back <laughs> in the closet now, honey. Um, so what does coming out mean to you? Well, it means many, many things, doesn't it? And to me, I mean, I, I live in a luxury of London. I live in a gay bubble. I don't really feel I have to challenge homophobia on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, I live in a, in a, la in a place where I feel safe. So, to me, it just means living my everyday existence and being who I am, and I. But I don't feel challenged by that, you know. If I go abroad, I won't. I deliberately don't go places that are uh, that are homophobic or have homophobic regimes because I'm not giving them my tourist money. So I don't feel like I really have to confront homophobia in the way that I know other people do. So to me, coming out is just being who I am all the time. But I understand that that's not a luxury that everybody has. Thank you so much for listening. Um, you've been listening to me, Karis Bradley. I'd like to say a couple of thank yous to the other people who've worked on this project. So Alex Lathbridge, who has helped with the hosting of the podcast and also the compiling of, of the music that you've heard um, and to Scary Boots for creating our incredible artwork. Please subscribe, review, tell your friends, spread the word. Um, and if you want to get involved and be interviewed on the podcast, then there's a link um, on the website and in the bio of our, our Twitter. So there's a little form that you can fill out. I hope you have a lovely day. Great. Um, do you want to do like a plug for any of your events or all of your events? For sure. Yes. Uh, okay, so what kind of uh, things, where can people come and see you perform? Well, of course, the next Kings of Clubs at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern in Vauxhall is September the 19th. Uh, it's a back-to-school special. 
because obviously term will begin again. And over the autumn, I shall be touring my One King show, Rebel Dyke, which is a spin-off from the documentary Rebel Dykes, which I'm in, which is going to be finished any day. Any day now, <laughs> they're definitely going to finish it over this winter. So, um, yeah, those are the things I'm busy with. I'm also performing at Cancer is a Drag, uh, again at the Vauxhall Tavern on the September the 6th. So that's a couple of opportunities. But if you do like Drag Kings, get yourself down for Kings of Clubs because you will not regret a second of it. Where can people find you online? All the usual social media outlets, King Frankie Sinatra. 